This is the Nutanix Community Podcast with Dwayne Lesnar and Angelo Luciani, episode 60. Here we go. This week I chat with Rohit Goyle, Andy Daniel, and Vincent Delaterre from Depomatic. We discuss IoT, why CIOs, CDOs, and IT architects should prepare for this space. We also talk about what Nutanix and Depomatic are doing with IoT and how maybe some traditional IT roles are changing. Let's join the conversation. Thanks everyone for joining us today. On today's podcast, we have Andy, Vincent, and Rohit to talk about IoT. A lot of things happening in the IoT space. I'm not very familiar with it myself, so I'm really eager to, to learn from, from these folks on today's podcast. But to start off, you know, I was thinking at a high level, uh, and Rohit, this, might, this is probably best directed to you, but at a high level with IoT, uh, what's, ha- what's really happening in the IoT space and, and why, why do CIOs, CDOs, IT in general actually care about this? Why is this kind of... Almost seems like it's coming to the surface now. Um, IoT. Yeah, sure, uh, Angelo. I think uh, I think timing is everything. So, um, as as you look at you know what's available today, there's there's a lot of IoT devices that are being connected uh, to you know typical infrastructure or enterprise environments, um, and a lot of people relate to IoT from the consumer side, but that's not exactly you know, what we're talking about um, from the enterprise side. Um, on the consumer side, what you see a lot of is around uh, uh, personal devices like these cameras uh, uh, detecting motion at home or something like that. But on the infrastructure side, what you're seeing a lot more of is uh, working into existing processes. So let's take an example at a high level uh, of an, a manufacturing facility or a shop floor. They've got a lot of sensors uh, that are that are uh, generating lots and lots of data. Um, if you if you look at some of these studies that have been done, uh, they've shown that there are about like three billion uh, devices that are being connected uh, today, and they're generating zettabytes of information. And what do you do with all that data that's being generated? Do you send it up to the public cloud um, uh, to be analyzed there, or can you do something a little bit more? intelligent at the edge, process it there, and then, uh, you know, directly impact your line of business. So the, the question really becomes, Angelo, is how does, how does IT, uh, you know, develop or set up infrastructure at the edge uh, when there's not always, like, the expertise around it? Uh, we're used to, like, you know, setting up infrastructure at the core data center, but setting it up at the edge um, hasn't always been easy. And when there's solutions out there uh, today, they're, they're pretty cumbersome. So there should be solutions that, uh, that make it easy for folks to be able to containerize applications and push them out to the edge, make sure that they're secure, and make sure that they, they can connect to um, existing environments. The idea isn't to uh, you know, rip and replace everything. The idea is to fit into existing environments, but be able to leverage uh, newer technologies that you typically find in like a core data center. Yeah, and in addition to IT leadership and and sort of their challenges and outlook, uh, Andy, I was thinking what you know in terms of architects and developers, um, 
I could just imagine sort of the the not burden, but the additional work and and things they have to deal with, and what you know, and and ways they have to rearchitect uh, maybe their um, infrastructure. Yeah, and then uh, you know, I'm I'm sitting here and you know nodding my head that that everybody can't can't see on, on the podcast here, but you're you're exactly right. I think. That that's really the issue, and you know we we see it uh, so many times as we jump in with with different customers, where um, you know a lot of times the CIO has come to the infrastructure teams, probably the the audience we have here, and has said, look, you know I I, I saw this, I want to be able to do this, I heard it at a conference or whatever that may be, and they may be uh, you know have even you know tasked their development team to go ahead and start writing some of the apps, and what happens a lot of times is that you know those developers go out and swipe cards or you know, do whatever else to turn up infrastructure and start building apps in that same kind of consumer-centric way that that Rohit mentioned earlier, and you know, immediately runs into problems, right? You know, I think the audience here will certainly appreciate the fact that you know, usually what happens when those teams run wild is you end up with with you know solutions that just don't meet compliance, you know, security or or other things, and you know, there's you know, I think kind of a an a lack of appreciation for kind of what, what happens, you know, you know, underneath the stack to, to make things compliant and to really provide a robust infrastructure. You know, one of the things that, um, you know, I think we take for granted a lot of times in the data center, sometimes it's something as simple as, is, you know, physical security, right? We get, yeah. we get used to sort of take for granted that, you know, there's a man trap and, you know, carded access and security and that kind of thing, right? Yeah. One of the, things we immediately have to think about is, you know, the fact that, you know, out at the edge that, that machine could walk off at any time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, um, just a side note, I always had a fear of being trapped in a man trap. Those things, they just, (laughs) those things just scared me. I, I don't know. We, and, you know, um, as Dwayne likes to reference in, in other podcasts where, where I used to, used to work, we had some really old, uh, man traps and boy, they, they were, uh, scary. <laughs> hey, hey, you know what? It, I, I won't take all our time here, but I, one time, maybe I'll come back, uh, Angela, we can just do an entire session on man traps because I have some interesting stories having worked many years in the data center myself where I've actually gotten calls from guys that was like their third or fourth day on the job where, you know, I was the on-call engineer who had oh, to no. come and let the guy out of the man trap at 3 a.m. <laughs> He had gotten himself stuck, but uh, yeah, <laughs> anyway. yeah, those will be our Halloween uh, IT horror stories. <laughs> but but that's great. Yeah. But I know Andy, you're you're in a, you're, I mean, you're you're in a new role, is that right? Um, yeah. In yeah. in the IoT space here at Nutanix, and wanted to get a sense of some of the stuff that you've been up to, and what is Nutanix doing with IoT and analytics. Yeah, no, you know, it, 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 it's a fun space to be in. You know, one of the reasons why I kind of made a, a, a transition from kind of the, the core data centers is that, you know, it really is the future. I think, you know, as we've been talking to customers and Rod alluded to it before, right, it is the, the new sort of biggest, largest consumer, if you will, both in terms of kind of the number of devices uh, and the amount of data. And, you know, we, we kind of come in. It's interesting. We've talked to so many folks that have, have frankly just had failed um, IoT projects, you know, where it was just kind of in the early days and and folks were asked to you know go implement some specific solution and frankly there just wasn't a great platform to be able to do it and it really is kind of left you know i think a bad taste in the mouths of a lot of kind of upper management and that kind of thing so i you know the opportunity to tackle 
uh, kind of the problem and, and work on the solution here at Nutanix is pretty exciting to me uh, to, to make the move. And, um, you know, if I, I think folks probably listening in are pretty familiar with, with kind of the Nutanix architecture and the stack. And, you know, what I'll say is certainly it's great, but what we knew is that kind of the traditional hyper-converged play really wasn't necessarily going to, you know, didn't fit, I guess, at the edge in all use cases, right? A lot of times we're looking at kind of smaller devices, lower power, you know, lot, lots of different, you know, we, we sort of mentioned kind of the physicality and being able to walk off, but there, there are just tons of things that are different out there at the edge. Um, um, from the physical device perspective all the way up through, you know, connectivity and, and uh, backhaul, if you will, uh, to back to the data center. So we, we you know, it's, it's really been fun to kind of architect some new things and look at it differently. Um, you know, I, I think kind of looking back at some, you know, I've referenced kind of some previous projects that other folks have embarked upon. And we see it a lot, like in manufacturing and that kind of thing, where, you know, those guys were doing sort of IoT before it was IoT. But I think what's really different about what we're doing now is really making things smarter. Um, you know, and I know we brought Vincent on as well to kind of talk a little bit about what Deepomatic's doing and that kind of thing. But it, you know, when we look at really IoT today, it's not just, you know, connecting devices. I think, you know, back in, but it's really, you know, how do we, how do we make them smarter, make them really useful? And I think what, what we're able to do and what we're, we're doing at Nutanix now is, is really enabling that. So, you know, from a, an infrastructure perspective where we've really been able to kind of one click or kind of turnkey help in that space, we're, we're doing the same thing in IOT now. So whether it's kind of a, you know, a native sort of data pipeline to ingest uh, sensor data and, and process it, you know, out there at the edge, um, we can do that. Or maybe it's a vision application like, you know, Vincent and, and team are really used to where we're, we're doing, you know, uh, machine learning, you know, ML and inference at the edge, um, all that kind of thing. It's really about, to me, it's, it's kind of the, the democratization of these kind of things, right? Where in the past, a lot of these projects were, were one-offs, and so what you know, I'm hoping we can really do with the Nutanix platform um, is you know really make it ubiquitous and and make it really easy for for no matter sort of the industry or vertical you're in to really spin these things up and and use them in a in a meaningful way. Yeah, and I know you've been, you've been working with Vincent on a, a few things, and I want to bring Vincent in. Um, welcome to the podcast, Vincent. Appreciate you uh, joining us. Hi everyone. I'm very happy to be here. Great. I thought um, maybe you could just give us a let the folks know what Depomatic, uh, who's Depomatic, and what they're doing with uh, IoT analytics. Um, so I'm the CTO of Depomatic, and we develop a platform that allows our customers to build their own video recognition systems to specifically recognize the concepts that matter for their businesses. And so this platform typically in well, three steps. Uh, it lets you design and, and manage your data. It lets you train your AI very easily. And then it lets you deploy your AI in the real world very easily as well. And I think that's where uh, the two domains of deep learning and IoT converge. It's when it comes to deployment, um, it's very important for our customers for various reasons to deploy on the edge. And this is typically something which start to emerge now, thanks to all the new tools and technologies that you just cited, guys, um, and which is going to be critical in the, in the years to come to create new applications and, and very exciting use cases. 
And so typically, um, people using our platforms are creating new uh, services, uh, new products, or they like improve also like internal processes. And I would just maybe cite like three examples for for our uh, auditors to better understand the typical kind of use cases we can do. Um, for example, we are partnering with a, a, an operator who is operating like highway tolls uh, to create the next generation of tolls where you don't need to slow down. You can just drive ahead. We are allowing, for example, transportation companies to count people in the buses to better predict the, the, the passenger flows and adapt the traffic uh, to, to, the, to the passenger uh, quantity. Or, for example, we can also work with companies who are manufacturing TV boxes so that it's able to recognize the gesture, the gesture of people in front of the TV boxes to adapt, um, adapt the experience uh, and adding new, new features to the boxes. So this is typically very new, exciting experiences that are emerging thanks to deep learning. And it's possible because it's deployed on the edge on IoT devices. And when you mentioned uh, tolls, so yeah. uh, just just um, sort of high level, the first thing I thought of was uh, no more no more transponders in the cars. Maybe exactly. Yeah. Ah, yeah. Okay. Okay. That's the first thing that came to mind when you mentioned that. That's interesting. Why is it important to analyze data at the edge versus, I, I guess, uh, and and again, this is all new. Uh, this IoT space is really new to me. Uh, I guess this is versus pulling it all back into the cloud or data center to, to analyze. Yeah, sure. That's definitely the, the, altern the alternative. Um, for us, at least, the, it's very important for three main reasons, I would say. The first one is reliability, reliability of the solution we, we offer. Um, so today we're in 2018, but the links uh, towards the internet is still not uh, trustable enough or reliable enough, uh, especially when you are a, a big um, company operating large infrastructures uh, in the real world. Very often those infrastructures do not have a very, like a dedicated fiber, optical fiber, or dedicated link to the internet. And so this link is very keen to break down. And so when your service relies on AI, uh, and if it breaks down because the links to the internet is breaking down, typically this is not acceptable and this is not an option. Uh, and so you uh, need to be able to run recogn image recognition or AI locally on your local networks to uh, improve uh, and make your application more reliable. Uh, another, the second uh, reason for us uh, and for our customers is that it's quite related. It's also that it's a, ma a matter of bandwidth. So the bandwidth uh, towards the cloud is very often also not sufficient to be able to stream uh, like hundreds of video streams from one facility towards the cloud. So you need to be able to process this whole quantity of information very locally and maybe just stream back the like alerts or 
uh, very like outliers, like images which uh, where you detect uh, an abnormal in a situation which is not normal. Uh, just stream back the very necessary information and keep the rest local to uh, be sure that your bandwidth is going to hold on on, on those uh, many streams you are, you are processing. And the last reason is privacy. Uh, for example, sometimes you don't have the right to process, send data outside of your facility. And you need to, to for legal reasons, you need to be able to process it locally. So a lot, so I was thinking uh, about 5G and yes. um, and with that coming coming uh, online soon, uh, let's hope. Uh, um, how, you know, will have you given any thought to that sort of sort of accelerate? Would you think that's going to accelerate or be a tipping point for IoT um, going forward? So uh, yes and no, I would say. Um, for many use cases, it could definitely be a, a turning point. Uh, where and, and 5G has been made for that. Um, but when it comes at least to image recognition uh, the, um, and to the to the access to the 5G, mm -hmm. uh, you, if you just think about even today the even the 4G coverage like coverage is not uh, is not of 100%. Right. When you operate like facilities somewhere lost in the countryside or in the desert, mm -hmm. you might not have the 5G. And you might need right. to rely uh, still on edge devices that are able to compute locally, the, the, at least process information locally. Yeah. But, yeah. but I think that when it comes out, like when you, it comes to sending the, the essential part of the information, 5G is going to be an accelerator for all the use cases where we will be able to do. Right. Because yeah, yeah. that that's Angel. That's exactly what what I was gonna gonna mention. Right. I, I think it is gonna be an accelerator. I think what we're gonna find though is that you know, as Vincent mentioned, right. I think that just the the raw amount of data, particularly when we talk about uh, inference and in image processing and in that kind of you know video, just continues to kind of dwarf dwarf that connectivity. So I think you know, and this is you know something we really kept in mind with our platform as well, right? We hope to be able to provide kind of the control plane, if you will, right? So our our solution, and in fact, um, you know that that we're working with Deepomatic with to actually deploy their application out to the edge, you know, utilizes that kind of new connectivity, and and you know as it becomes. Um, you know, more and more robust and that kind of thing actually allows us to kind of control and deploy applications out there. Mm -hmm. But we still still don't feel like we're quite going to have the connectivity we need to on an ongoing basis, right, to make them reliable. And, and uh, you know, particularly as we look to things like, uh, you know, autonomous vehicles and, yeah. and those kind of things where it's just absolutely required. So, you know, we can certainly, it'll be an accelerator, allows us to get the apps out to the edge, mm -hmm. right, from the kind of the control plane perspective. But, you know, what we want to do is try to process the data, you know, perform inference, if you will, in the case of, of um, you know, AI and ML at the edge, and then, you know, funnel that data back to, to the data center, you know, to kind of do that additional training and, and make it smarter. Right, right. How um, and I'll I'll throw this question out to 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 anyone. How can visual analytics help businesses? How do how does that kind of visual representation help uh, help businesses? Yeah, I, I'll give that one to Vin Vincent. Probably is in the best position. I think you know his. His uh, his company, you know, kind of is all in and in, in visual, so to speak. 
<laughs> sure. Um, for us, there, there's typically four main use cases. Um, uh, the first one that we observed is when it comes to optimizing your internal processes. Uh, so typically what, what we do with our clients is uh, helping them to build tools uh, so that their operators could be more productive. So typically uh, a good example for that is the medical uh, area, the medicine, where the, the quantity of data has been multiplied by 10 uh, in a few years, uh, but the number of people who are able to understand this data has been has has kept uh, the same. So so there's they really need like some tools to point them out uh, what's the data they should look at and and try to divine the same amount of data that they're trying to process. Um, another example is also talking about predictive maintenance, where you need to be able to to analyze your your infrastructure uh, in order to be able to maintain a quality of service over time. Um, the second area where, where we find there is also lots of applications is safety and security, obviously, where you need to uh, alert um, people uh, or some of the, your operators when something wrong happens. So typically you want to detect dangerous situations. So like people who are behind a truck who's driving backward, or people without helmets on a construction site. Or also, you might need to want to just detect intruders or people with malicious intentions. So this is typically the safety and security area. And then there are like a broader range of, where you, of, of, of uh, use cases where you just want to create new products uh, which are differentiated thanks to AI, uh, in order to improve the user experience of your, of your product. Uh, and so typically this involves like recognizing gestures or, or actions um, or designing products that work faster or more reliable uh, to, you know, more reliable fashion to, to find well, a reduced waiting time uh, in a queue, for example. And the last domain that I would cite uh, is uh, visual analytics, where you typically are able to process the video streams coming from the real world um, and augment them with some concepts you are interested in. And then this, typically this is the, the missing uh, link between the real world and big data. You, right. you, you are generating additional data from video streams, uh, which is going to allow you to understand your end user's behavior or understand the world around you thanks to these newly mounted streams. Uh, and that's, that's the last very interesting use case, I think, which is going to also explode in the upcoming years thanks to, thanks to more devices. And by the way, this is not uh, contains to image or video. I mean, sound or, or um, time series can also be like analyzed this way. Right, right. Uh, Andy, um, Vincent touched on security, uh, privacy, security uh, earlier. Um, how do you see security playing into um, into it, IoT? Uh, yeah, you know, I, I think it's probably, if not 
the biggest, you know, one of one of the biggest concerns I think for for most companies out there whenever we look to engage with them, you know, usually that's that's right at top of mind. And I think particularly when we kind of look back at, uh, you know, I think I mentioned earlier where, you know, there are a lot of companies that, you know, have dispatched development teams or even third party developers to come in and actually write apps and that kind of thing for them. And, you know, it's classically been, been done kind of in the consumer oriented way where they're not meeting requirements and that kind of thing. So I think that's that's really, you know, it, it absolutely is is right at the forefront of, of requirements. And it, it same thing comes back to, you know, again, things we need to think about that are different at the edge versus in, in the data center like we talked about before. So that's that was a you know big part of the solution we developed at, you know at Nutanix with with our offering, you know, take security in, in mind and really every step of the way. So, you know, even all the way to the edge, thinking about the fact that, you know, a, a device could walk off, if you will, at any time, right? Making sure that that is secured or encrypted in some way. And then anywhere we pass data, making sure that it that happens in a secure way. So the the cool thing about what we're doing and take for, you know, even the example of deploying the diplomatic application out, out to the edge, right? Um, you know, doing that that control plane first and foremost, right? When we send out, uh, you know, the the container definition, the the YAML, if you will, right? Heads out to the edge, you know, secure so that uh, you know it can't be intercepted. And then that happens all the way back to bringing the data back. If we look at what the application actually does, so you know, taking that image data or whatever's captured and and coming back to the the cloud of choice, you know, making sure that those endpoints are all also secured. So certificate management, all, all the things that like you know we're kind of used to handling in the mm-hmm. data center at the platform level mm-hmm. uh, that a lot of times folks are kind of taking for granted when they get out to the edge. You know, we're making sure we, we handle for first and foremost. Yeah, and uh, that's great. And f- final question. Um, I always like to, to look around the corner to sort of see what's what's coming up. Do you, do you folks see or hear or have read, like are we seeing a new role in IT for uh, IOT folks, like, are we going to start seeing IOT architects or uh, sysadmins, or does that does that role just does the current you know traditional sysadmin IT architect etc. just need to take on those new skills uh, and learn those new um, uh, domains? I, I I'll kind of take that one first. I, you know, I think it's a, a blend of both. I think it, as always, Angela. I think you know we certainly we've come across certainly organizations that are hiring directly into the space. You know, I think we find it happening kind of at the management level as well, right? Where it's sort of this blend of data scientist or or you know data architect or that kind of thing, sort of blending in. Um, and then, you know, I think what's happening is the, the guys that sort of sort of see the writing on the wall, they see where we're going, right, or, or learning these new technologies. And so I think, you know, they'll first and foremost be, you know, subject matter, matter experts. But I think definitely, right, as we, you know, the, the IoT becomes bigger and bigger, we, we've talked a little bit, I think, today about sort of the size of data and devices. You know, I think that alone is reason enough to tell you, I think there's absolutely going to be specialization there. Um, you know, I think for anybody listening in that is at all interested um, you know, I think they should look into it and, and be ready. You know, I think at least for me, I'll just speak personally. I, you know, I think that the neatest thing about this space, frankly, is just that, you know, more than sort of sitting in the back office w- working on infrastructure and that kind of thing, um, sort of, you know, as my friends would ask, I would always describe, I'd say, yeah, you know, that thing, the cloud, well, you know, people actually run those computers, right? There are other computers and that's kind of what I do. I think what's neat about kind of working in this space is that the things we do are so applicable directly to the lives of people. 
right? And so it's so easy to really explain the things you're working on and, and that to them. And so I think, you know, that that to me is pretty inspiring. So I, you know, I'd say if, if people have interest and want to do something directly relating to people's lives, definitely, you know, start to look into it. And, you know, if it's something you really want to commit to, there, there are jobs out there for sure. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Henry. And uh, I would even um, add as well that, um, at least on our side, uh, we see emerging the, a, a new type of role, which is about uh, AI management in production. Uh, so people will be in charge of, uh, of operating AIs uh, and typically operating also the devices that runs AI uh, in order to maintain them and improve the AIs, uh, be able to uh, push new version of, of the AI and, and of the product uh, to the edge. And so typically with, we see a, a demand for this new type of role uh, for our customers. Typically. And if folks uh, want to learn more about Depomatic, Vincent, where can they go and uh, what resources are available? They can go on www.diplomatic.com, T-E-E-P-O-M-A-T-Y-C.com. Great. Um, Andy, if folks want to learn more about what Nutanix is doing with IoT, where can they go? Yeah, Nutanix.com slash IoT. Great. And I have just, this is typical of our podcast at the end of it, we usually um ask three rapid fire questions really just so the audience can get to know uh you a little better and more in a more personal way so nothing to be worried about but andy i'm going to ask you three rapid fire questions here we go oh i get i get to go first (laughs) yeah (laughs) ios or android ios good answer uh favorite app Ooh, that's a tough one uh who i don't i'm gonna defer on favorite um well you know what i tell you what i'll tell you one and and we'll talk about it later this is not so rapid fire folks have probably learned i'm not rapid fire about anything but i i will say in the iot space uh it's actually an app called uh ratio and uh, it controls my irrigation controller so i'm a i'm a uh, avid uh, lawn enthusiast that's great and finally ebook or physical books Oh, that's tough. You know, I, I definitely am an e- ebook guy, but, you know, there's still something to be said, you know, for sitting down with a real book on, on vacation. So I, I don't I do real book on vacation. Yeah, great. All right, Vincent, I'm going to ask you the same three questions. You ready? Yeah. iOS or Android? Android for my side. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Favorite app? Um, that's indeed a tough question. I was trying to think about it when, uh, d- during the answer of Andy and I'm, I would say Google maps, you know, very basically, yeah. uh, that's the map that's, that's the app. I, I think I use the most to just get directions very, <laughs> Great. very basically. Yeah. And finally ebook or physical books. I would go for physical books, um, just, you know, for ebooks, it's much more convenient because you just have to download things and you're good to go. But just for the 
the act of touching the books, I, w- I would stick to the physical books. Right. Good stuff. And we're not going to ask uh, Rohit these questions because we asked him these questions on a pod, uh, an earlier podcast, and I don't, I don't want him to change his answers. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, oh, I want to know. I want to know what they were. <laughs> you'll have to listen to episode fifty-six where we talk about object storage to find out wh- how uh, Rohit answered his questions. But with that, I want to thank you guys for joining us on the podcast. And be sure to check out the Nutanix online community at next.nutanix.com for resources, blogs, and continuing the conversation in our forums. If you're interested in learning more about what Nutanix is doing with IoT, check out nutanix.com slash IoT. Don't miss our European conference.next, November 27 to 29 in London. It's going to be a great time of community sharing, education, and fun. So with that, from the team here at Nutanix, have a great week.